Hello everyone and welcome to another episode, perhaps this is the first episode you're hearing, from Pastor Potluck. It's a podcast that started in Canton, North Carolina and now is reaching out to the whole world. Uh, my name is Peter Constantian. I'm a pastor at Longs and Crusoe United Methodist Church and I'm here today with uh, the Reverend Dr. Court Green uh, who is uh, the well, I'll let him introduce himself. Hi, Court. How are you? I'm well, Peter. So I'm Court Green. I am the pastor at Canton First Baptist Church. So here we have a Methodist and a Baptist. Not that different, but certainly not the same either. And um, I am, uh, let's see, I've been here for like three years and some change. And everything was kind of becoming standard, as it often does in the church world. And then a virus came along and it changed the world. And so in the process of trying to figure out what to do with this virus going on and how do we reach people, uh, all the churches around here just started diving into every possible avenue. And long before any of this happened, about 25 years ago, a group of people got together from all kinds of different denominations and just started meeting. And so out of that, I had this idea for reaching people that don't do internet and how we could do that. And I, I got with the people in my church that kind of pull the levers and, and make things work and asked them, begged them to allow me to do this radio show, an AM radio show. So going way back, like old hmm. school. And we bought airtime. So it was essentially just a long commercial. Uh, we bought an hour a week of airtime on the local radio uh, station, and I used that network that we had of other ministers. I never wanted it to be about me, and we, not I, but we would get together every week, just like Peter and I are doing now, and just offer our two cents. So it was like three or four of us, so eight cents on what was going on. We would interview people, and mostly that had a a local flavor because it was on a local AM station. So let me interrupt you right there. You said 25 years of history of different pastors from different denominations coming together. So what what was that? Tell me what it is, or what is it, and uh, what's special about it? The special thing about it, I'll start with, because that's the thing that blew me away. The special thing is that these people come from all kinds of different backgrounds. Um, there's a lot of Methodists because we're kind of close to like Methodist Central at Lake Junaluska, North Carolina. But there's Methodists, there have been Catholics, there's, uh, let's see, Episcopals. Episcopalian. There, were, there were Baptists, now there's Baptist. There's just me. But we can change that. Um, there's uh, Presbyterians. I think they have had Lutherans in the past, but not right now. Anyway, and, and so 25 years ago, they started meeting for coffee, and then they just kept meeting, and then they started talking about the lectionary, and then friendships were born and maintained, and so eventually what happened, the, the great thing out of this is that people started putting aside their differences and working together, mm. and essentially what, what began as perhaps a working lunch became a community. I did not start this. I wasn't here. Uh, 25 years ago, I was 13 doing whatever 13-year-olds. No, 14. I'm getting old. Doing whatever 14-year-olds do. I guess I was taking driver's ed. But 
uh, they were they were creating the community that led to this wonderful thing we have here in Canton, and I'm, I'm sure they have it in other places, and which eventually led to that radio show. Called Pastor Potluck. Called Pastor Potluck, because every pastor brings their own something to offer. Yeah. And that's what we do in Potlucks. We bring something to offer for everyone to enjoy. Hmm. Uh, so that was born, and then two things happened. Number one, I got tired of trying to find people to interview every week, and also it got expensive and so after i think two and a half months of doing it maybe it was just two months i don't know uh we decided to pull the plug on that and also people kind of got used to the pandemic and 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 more people started getting online so it was less necessary and so now it's becoming a podcast and so welcome welcome this podcast Pastor Potluck is, uh, yeah, it's a product of that radio show, and, and it's an expression, I'll say, of the Canton Lectionary group. At least that's what I've been calling it, but uh, we're, we're excited about where it might go, and today we're going to ask, uh, what is this show about, and what's it going to be about? It's uh, The word we're using is vision casting. It's a vision casting podcast, and and we want to hear from you, too. So if you have listened to our radio show, or even if you haven't, if you, if you would like that, that sense of uh, ecumenical conversation, uh, to use a Methodist buzzword, uh, but conversation across denominations between pastors with different backgrounds, and you've got some questions that you want us to talk about, just to see where uh, people across the uh, ecclesial perspective spectrum uh, stand on certain issues that uh, we'd be happy to entertain some of those ideas uh, one thing that's been important uh, through the beginning stages of pastor potluck has been scripture and uh, just like the lectionary group that this podcast emerged out of meets to read the lectionary each week um, we decided that it, it would be an important thing for us in this pop and this pastor potluck podcast to uh, to do to give you a little uh, flavor of that, if you will. So each week we're going to choose one text from the lectionary, and use that as a basis for our discussion or a jumping off point. And this week uh, we've got Exodus 16 from the lectionary, and uh, and Court's going to read that for us. Exodus 16: 2 through 15. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died in the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you. And each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way I will test them, whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when, the, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see glory of the see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, 
When the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard you the complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked towards the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread, and then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Thus ends the reading. Thank you, Clerk. You're welcome, sir. This So this podcast and today, I think we're really asking this question of ourselves. What is it? What is Pastor Potluck? What is it going to be about? Um, Moses responds to the, to the Israelite people saying, This is the bread of heaven which the Lord has given you to eat. And, um, you know, it makes me wonder, you know, they were stuck out here in the wilderness and they were reminiscing about the way things used to be back in Egypt. Um, and uh, and we, we started this radio show in a time of uh, uncertainty when we felt very much in the wilderness of uh, the, the coronavirus pandemic and, and oftentimes reminiscing about the way things used to be. Uh, hoping for the day that we would be able to go back to our in-person worship and 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 so I, I find it striking here in this passage that um, when God uh, promises to bring the bread from heaven uh, it says that the people looked toward the wilderness that is to say not towards Egypt and that is where God appeared and so I guess court what I'm wondering is uh, and and for, for folks who are listening, too, if you, if you take a moment to think, what has been the bread that has sustained you during this time? And how might, uh, how might this conversation be sustaining for us and for our churches during this time? So ask two questions. The first one is, what is the bread that sustains you? The second is, I'll ask you to repeat after I get done with the first one. But I want to throw a third one in there, and that is, what is your Egypt? Mm. And I think to many people, because I'm going to answer the question right after I ask it, I think to many people, it's some brighter day. Mm. To some, it's just you know before March. Mm. And to some, it's even before all of 2020. Mm-hmm. And But to me, I think that Egypt is constantly changing. Because what I look back on now and think, well, that was like the best. Mm. You know, tomorrow I might look back on another time and say, no, that was better. So Egypt was better. So as long as we're stuck in the past, we're always going to look for something that was better. The, the problem with the present is that it's not done yet. Mm. And the problem with the future is it's completely unknown. At least we know something about the present. Yeah. 
So because the present is not done yet, it's hard to answer what sustains you. Mm-hmm. And so we have to look at the past and figure out what sustained us then so that maybe that will sustain us now. And I think for many of us, if we'll think about it, a lot of that hasn't changed. Mm. It may change what it looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, some people may have gotten their sustenance from church. This is no big secret. If you work at one, you don't. Mm. But not usually. <laughs> and a lot of people lie about that also. But anyway, um, for me, it's not. Mm-hmm. It was like when I was going to church, like when I was in high school and stuff. But since I graduated from college, I've worked for one. So it's hard to get your your, your sustenance from that. Mm-hmm. But the Word of God does sustain mm. me yeah. and others. And that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. The beauty of it is that you can take it anywhere, it, especially if you memorize it, which I'm terrible at. But it, especially, it's, it's not beholden to a building. Mm-hmm. When I hear these words and especially coupled with your question i don't think only of the exodus although i should because that's where this idea was born i think about the exiles mm-hmm. and i think about john mia uh after the israelites were or i'm sorry the jewish people were kicked out by the romans of palestine and jerusalem and the temple was destroyed and they had, in 90 AD, they come together and like, well, what does it mean to be us now? Mm. And they realize, well, wow, this is pretty portable. Mm. And it had to be because they, they took it with them from Egypt. Mm-hmm. And so it had always been. Mm. They, had, they had shoved it into a temple worship system, mm. but God's always been portable. Mm-hmm. And so when the, when the pandemic hit, if, if you're not married to this must be what church is, mm-hmm. and I get my sustenance from church, mm-hmm. if it's not about that, but it's instead about serving God, which we can always do, mm-hmm. uh, learning about God, which we can always do, loving the words from God in the Bible, which we can always do, and most importantly, I think more important than any of that, maintaining a relationship with God, which we can always do, then the way your sustenance looks may be different. But what I've found, and I'm not saying it hasn't been tough, it sucks, Mm. but what I have found is that access to God, if God is your substance, sustenance, not substance, has not changed. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that still has been, Mm. along with some other things, um, hobbies, things like that. Yeah, so I think, yeah, Christians, uh, uh, Jewish people, and members of all faiths, actually, in the U.S. have found themselves trying to find some other way to gather during this time. Uh, And uh, in our lectionary discussion yesterday, Father Todd from uh, St. Andrew's Episcopal uh, cued us in to the fact that um, in, uh, you know, first and second second century uh, Palestine, um, both Christians and Jews were gathering in synagogues. Yes. And the word synagogue actually means, it's, it's almost a, a, a redundant to say gathering in a synagogue because synagogue just means a gathering of people, uh, where the people gather. And so sometimes that wasn't even in a building. Yeah. It could have just been in a public space. And uh, I have found it very ironic um, and humorous uh, to, to find uh, Methodists who are resistant to the idea of worshiping outside. 
because our roots as uh, in, in American Methodism uh, before the before the Revolutionary War, there were no Methodist meeting houses or very few. Methodists worshipped in um, in Church of England or Anglican churches on Sunday morning, and they met in uh, you know outdoor public spaces during the week. And when George Whitfield and John Wesley came over from England to preach, they preached outside. Uh, so in a way, this is a this is a renaissance for Methodism, but. Uh, I, I do understand that it is difficult to, to accept change, and we do reminisce about uh, where, where we have been. Um, so I think that the, the point, though, is that, is that in each present moment that we find ourselves in, uh, we need to ask this question that the Israelites ask here of what is it? That is to say, what is this sustaining presence now and um, how is God sustaining us now and um, was, that the, was that the second question yes that I've forgotten yeah and how is and specifically how is God sustaining our churches or how might God be sustaining our synagogues that is to say our, our community our people gatherings uh, yeah what do you think about that I think that God I think that the the stuff of God's God sustaining us has not changed, but I think that the appearance of it has. And I think that the tool that God has used to continue to bring us together and to continue to grow us has been relationships. I do not think that it's about what the preacher says, for instance. But if you'll watch in, in your congregations... And you look at, especially now that a good chunk of time has passed, if you watch the beginning and end of your various online meetings, and if you have in-person in worship in some way, watch them there as well. They make such effort, they, our church attenders, mm. make such effort to go and speak to people that they did not do before. Mm -hmm. In Egypt, mm -hmm. in our Egypt, they came to church, they got what they needed, and they left. Mm -hmm. Now, because of the isolation, which is bad, I'm not saying I'm glad for that, we are, that we're isolated, but as a response to this isolation that we're feeling, mm -hmm. there is such effort to go to people and check on them, to go to people and... and, and, and reveal your sufferings and your joys to them and to so we're we're finding time making time mm -hmm. to invest in relationships that we did not do before because now we see what it's like to be lonely in a different way i think loneliness is always something that people kind of understand yeah. But this isolation is something that most people in this world have not experienced before. Yeah. And so they're hungry. We we thought when this happened, mm -hmm. we a lot of people thought when this happened that they were going to just be hungry for church. Mm. They're not. Mm. I, I wish they were, but they're not. Mm. What they're hungry for is the relationships they found there. Yeah. And so when it, when when you used to see people come to church on a Sunday morning and then breeze out as fast as they can, they don't anymore. Or and, and that's true for in person or online. Mm -hmm. And so 
yes, it's annoying to sit to to preach to a bunch of people or not a bunch. I, I one day hope to have a bunch, but a few people in face masks and only see their eyes, and you have no idea if they're smiling or scowling under those masks. Like I have no idea right now what facial expression Peter is making, but it is annoying. But to to see that they're willing to go through the inconvenience just to be able to spend some time with another human being, yeah. to s- spend time in the presence of and in relationship with another one of God's children, mm-hmm. we neglected that for so long. Yeah. And yet now we're craving it. Right. And so if you watch at the beginning of a Zoom meeting or whatever thing you're using, they'll just spend time talking about it. Let me show you my cat. Yeah. Um, let let me let me tell you what we've done to the house. Right. Just stuff that otherwise they would just take it for granted. That if they if they want to know what my cat looks like, they'll come see it. Yeah. Or or I'll text them a picture, whatever. Right. But now we just want to talk. It doesn't matter what we say. We just want to say something to anybody. And so they're they're craving that. And so we let, that was a very long answer to a very simple question. No, but it's super. What helpful. I've seen is that relationships tend to be the tool that God is using yeah. to sustain us. Yeah. And I hope. Now, it does make me feel bad for those who don't have these kind of relationships. Right. And that's something we should probably consider. But yeah. Yeah, way to temper my own optimism, right? Well, that actually leads me to where, where I'm going with this. And that is, uh, well, for instance, for, to, just to support what you, what you just said, I have a friend who uh, I go on camping trips with as often as I can. And uh, one thing he's fond of saying is that hunger is the best spice. Yeah. And, uh, and right now, the isolation that so many of us are feeling is a social hunger. And it's encouraging the kind of relationship building that maybe, yeah, like we didn't see in church. And I've noticed that, too, in my churches that have been gathering outside, um, that, uh, that once the service is over, people linger. Mm-hmm. And they, they feel comfortable that everyone's you know, di- socially distant, but they just they want to know about how everyone's doing and talk to one another. And, and even if they weren't talking about something specific, there's this sense of, I've needed this for so long, I have it in this moment, I don't want to let it go. Yeah. And so they'll linger, sometimes just standing around listening to other people talk that aren't even in their conversation just so they can have a, a physical human being there in their presence yeah. and not have to go to Walmart to find it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those things are loosening up now, but there's, I think that the fear of isolation from now on mm. might be a part of life because mm. we, once we have it, we don't want to lose it because now we know what it's like. Mm-hmm. So your friend who has obviously never heard of oregano was correct. <laughs> um, in the lack of that thing, suddenly I don't need the best conversation unless I need a conversation. Yeah. Well, and so on that note, I do want to, re- you know, reach out to, to you who are listening. If you're, if you're experiencing isolation, if you're experiencing uh, loneliness, you know, we want this podcast to be supportive for you. If there are, are, are thoughts that you're having, conversations that you're having that you want um, to hear us talk about, um, we, we want to we serve the community. You know, and so that brings me, you know, how to this question, how can Pastor Potluck be a part of the sustaining uh, bread, the sustaining bread during this time? How can we use this podcast to serve um, and to 
yeah, to give people a little taste of uh, of community and a little taste of uh, um, that relationship aspect that that is that is missing in the world today or that is lacking. So when we started uh, and we read the verses, um, one of the things that you wanted to key in on was that one three-word question. Mm-hmm. It was in verse 16. Mm-hmm. Can you repeat that? What is it? Exactly. What is it? So what's why, why is that what you were so hungry to talk about? And, uh, and where are we going to go from there? Yeah, well, I think it's an important question for um, us to ask at all times and in all places. We find the Israelites here in the wilderness... Um, complaining about a lack of bread, complaining about um, not having everything that they had when they were back in Egypt. And, uh, and Moses says, you know, the Lord has heard your complaints and is going to f- sustain you, is going to feed you. The bread from heaven comes from the wilderness. They turn to the wilderness and uh, quail and manna fall from the sky. And they ask, what is it? Literally, the Hebrew word manna means what is it, if you translate. That's, that's where we get the word manna. And uh, so to me, that's, that's so profound that they were sustained by the question, what is it? And I think in this moment, we're learning how in every moment we need to be asking that question because it opens ourselves to wonder, to wonder about the way God might sustain us during this time. Um, and, and that's the question that we're asking today about this podcast. How can this podcast sustain us and our communities uh, in some way uh, during this time when, when we are socially distant from one another? And, and I think maybe one of the ways that we do that is by um, sharing with you what we have found in our community of pastors here in Canton, North Carolina, which is um, a willingness to come together, not in spite of our differences, but oftentimes because of our differences, to learn from one another and to learn what it means to be the church together in a much broader sense. Uh, And so Court and I are very similar in many ways, um, but we have, there are things that are different about us. And and, uh, I thought, you know, maybe I think we could... uh, take a little bit of time here at the end of the podcast to just shoot questions about uh, about each other and help to uh, come up with some of those differences and, and see where that le- where that leads us. Okay, before we do that, I want to get back to uh, the question of what is it, because while you were talking, hmm. you're, not when you were saying just this just now, but when you were answering my question, why, why is what is it so important to you? Yeah. One of your words sparked a question in my head. Mm. That is, when we answer, ask the question, what is it? If we still don't know what it is, can we accept it? Mm. And I, I thought about that because you're talking about the, the term manna means what is it. Mm-hmm. If we don't know what it is, will we accept manna? If the term manna means what is it, and is given by the God who when asked what's your name a few chapters earlier says I just am and you're going to have to deal with that. Yeah. Seems to be a trend here. Uh-huh. What's the Can trend? Can we accept mystery? Mm. Can we accept not having all the answers? Yeah. Can we accept 
going through life and not having a standard playbook. Because mm-hmm. I think in many ways, mm. that is what has been thrust upon us. Right. Even as we emerge into the world beyond pandemic, mm-hmm. I don't think things are going to go back to... We're never going back to Egypt. Yeah. Okay? And if we go back to Egypt, Egypt's going to look differently. Have you ever gone back to a place you've lived and and years has passed? Mm-hmm. It's it's different. It's mm-hmm. not the same. I grew up in Mooresville, North Carolina. I went to college and then came back two weeks later, and there was a McDonald's that hadn't even been... I mean, they, they construct those things like that. Mm-hmm. And it changed so fast. Mm-hmm. After I graduated and went to college, I've really only been back for like funerals and weddings mm-hmm. um, because it's just not the place I left. Yeah. And the same is true for your Egypt. The question is, now that Egypt has changed and you have nowhere to which to go back, mm-hmm. uh, can we be sustained? Can we exist and thrive? Can we, can we understand the world around us mm-hmm. if we never get a detailed answer to the question what is it to the God who just is and we're going to have to deal with that mm-hmm. yeah I mean I think it's a, we, we find elsewhere in scripture in, in the Exodus story uh, this this powerful verse that said uh, that says that, that God led them by a winding road through the wilderness why? so that even if they wanted to go back to Egypt they couldn't uh, because he knew that we have that temptation in us. Uh, and, there, you know, we, we, I think we're in a period of time where we do need to pause and reflect a little bit because not everything that we had back in the old way of doing church, which is what we're talking about, um, was bad. Mm-hmm. There were good things about it. Uh, we need to reflect on those things, what we're going to carry with us and what we're going to let go of as we move forward. And that's a difficult conversation to have. Uh, but the wilderness is an in-between space. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's where we find ourselves. And so we're in this, uh, this process of, of working it out and of asking that question and of, one, and, and of, and, and of deciding, can we, can we be sustained by mystery? Can we, be, uh, can we accept the way God may be leading us even when we haven't figured out exactly where that's going? There was a time in my life um, where, when I had gotten to seminary, I, did, I wasn't sure that I wanted to be a pastor. But I had a sense, and this is weird for me because I had not lived my life based on senses. Um, I get it. I don't either. <laughs> yeah. But I had this sense that it was okay for me to not know what I was going to do after the three years of seminary. I had this sense that I just needed to be where I was experience what I was experiencing and that whatever was going to happen after that was going to uh, materialize at some point in the future. So all I need to do is trust. And God used uh, two scriptures to help me see the point. Because my prayer constantly during that time came from Psalm 25, which has a big section about God forgive all my sins, um, which I was definitely praying. Uh, But it's also this section that says, uh, show me your truth. God, lead me in your truth and teach me. Uh, what I wanted from God was a plan. I wanted a detailed path, a map, 
markers along, you know, road signs. I wanted uh, landmarks so that I knew which way I was supposed to go. I always had this period of profound change in my life. And uh, I, that was my constant prayer. I think every day I was praying that prayer. And, um, and I, didn't, I didn't get the response that I wanted. Instead, uh, the words from, uh, from Psalm 119, I think it's verse 105, came back to me that said, My word is a lamp unto thy feet and a light upon thy path. And what was important about that is that a lamp doesn't show you the whole path. It's not a map. It's yeah. not a map. Yeah. It shows you get two, three steps. That's what you get. But the, the, the lamp does help us to walk where we are, helps us to keep our footing. And, uh, and, and that, was a, that was a hard learning experience for me uh, to trust God, to lead me where I was for just a few steps and to trust that when I got to the next place that there would be a few steps more illuminated. So uh, I'll make one sentence to kind of recap that. Learn to be comfortable with whatever answer or not answer you get from the question, what is it? Mm-hmm. Now let's play the game. Okay, what's the game? So the game, it's not really a game. It's just something that should be interesting for you, and I think it'll be interesting for us. And that is simple. I'm going to add, did you write any questions down too? You may think of some. Yeah, I'll think of some. Okay. I'm going to ask questions to both Peter and I, because I jotted the questions down and did not think of them. Mm-hmm. And we need to answer with top of mind answers, mm-hmm. you know, and, and hopefully this will show our differences. Uh, I'll, I guess I'll ask you, and then I'll answer, and I won't change my answer. So I'll think of my answer as you're answering. Okay. And then I reserve the right to interject a question if one comes to me. Anytime you want, man. Okay. Anytime you want. This is. We haven't got to the to the whole. What's different about the show now? But uh, I am no longer the host. We are all, we are hosting together, which we kind of were already, but. Uh, officially, I guess technically I was the host last time, but we're not doing that anymore. And yeah. it's not connected to our churches in any monetary way. So those are the main differences. All right, so here's the game. I, I titled it Odd Couple, but that's just because I couldn't think of anything better. I am going to ask Peter the, the, the following questions. I'm going to ask both of us the following questions, and hopefully it'll show how we are alike and how we are different. What do you think of when you think of outdoor activities? Uh, camping, canoeing, um, yeah, Boundary Waters, which is an a area on the border of Minnesota and Canada. I'm from Minnesota, and uh, that's always been sort of like the destination. I've gotten to go twice in the past four years. was supposed to go again this year, but COVID, and, uh, and just being out there on the water with a paddle. I've, I've read about it. Yeah. I hope to one day do that. And if you wanted to invite me, I would not. <laughs> I am not inviting myself, but I would not stop you from inviting me. I think everyone uh, would, would benefit from that experience. And, yeah, it's a beautiful place. We are different when it comes to outdoors. I do like all those activities. What do you think about? I, something's got to die. <laughs> something's got to die. If, it might be a fish. It might be a deer. Uh, but, uh, now I, I enjoy the outdoors. I enjoy just being in the outdoors, 
But when I think of the activity, yeah. hunting comes to mind immediately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I was not raised in Minnesota. I was raised in the Southeast. And that's not true. I started hunting as an adult. It has nothing to do with how I was, I was raised. Hey, there's plenty of hunters in Minnesota. Yeah. I've heard they have huge deer up there, too. I've got no, I've got no problem with hunting or hunters. I was not raised as a hunter. <laughs> Um, and I and I eat a mostly vegetarian diet. Uh, I'm I'm flirting with veganism to be honest, but I do have some deer meat in my freezer, and I will I'm looking forward to eating it. So that that, do that makes before me, you get to the veganism. That makes yeah. me a very complicated, and I'll explain that later if if anybody's interested. I am interested, but let's let's keep going, and yeah. we'll get back to that later. Mm-hmm. When it's raining, I like to. When it's raining. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I like to sit on my covered porch and listen to it and watch the trees. Um, yeah. That's interesting. Uh, I, I have known plenty of people who do that. I don't. Yeah. When it's raining, I like to sit in my basement where I'm not anywhere near the rain. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times. But for the, since I got my license. License of what? To drive. Okay. I'm a Baptist preacher. We don't do that license that you're talking, thinking of. What, license to marry people? <laughs> Whatever. Oh, license uh, to preach? Yeah. yeah. So I got one of those. Since I got my driver's license, yeah. I have always enjoyed driving in the rain. Yeah. It's like the number one thing. Wow. So Fast? especially sometimes. <laughs> Depends on my emotional state. Uh-huh. But if I'm not in a, if I'm not angry. Yeah. This is my big sin to confess, folks. Not just when it's raining, but any time. Uh, when I'm very, very upset about something, I find the curviest roads I can mm. and drive as fast as I possibly can on them. Wow, that seems um, sort of reckless. It does. I said I'm admitting something here. Uh, Sean Gaddis, if you're listening, I don't do that in the city lids of Canton. All right, so... But, yeah, driving in the rain, if I'm not in a bad mood, it just relaxes me. When I was in high school, I would put on, of all things, Mozart mm. and just drive at night in the rain. Wow. And it was just, it's just incredible. But, hmm. anyway, that's my favorite activity to do in the rain. Now, coming down 40 with a bunch of other crazy people that haven't heard of Rain X, that's, that's, I don't do that. That's scary. But I'll, I'll find some stretch of road that I know is probably sparsely uh, trafficked. Is traffic a verb? Yeah. Yeah. This is turning into a country song real quick. Isn't it? Well, I don't Except like it. country like road, country. back rows, rain's falling down. Yeah, well. Except hey, for the listening to Mozart. You got to switch that with George Strait like, or something. I don't, I don't really, I don't like new country, and I don't love that much old country, but some of it I do. But apparently I can compose it pretty well. Yeah, there you go. If I read for pleasure, then I read. <laughs> uh, well... Um, probably like how-to books and uh, and like mushroom foraging resource books. <laughs> There's no wrong answer here, Peter. Wildflower identification books. I mean, honestly, I didn't I didn't do a lot of reading as a kid. I I actually am dyslexic, and so I had a hard time reading. Um, so mushroom and and wildflower books they're glorified picture books, but. <laughs> <laughs> they they help me learn considerably, and that's a, that's where I find enjoyment. I also enjoy learning, but when it comes to reading, I, I do it for pleasure. Now, reminding you, mm-hmm. it's very different. Like for my pleasure reading, I will generally read the nerdiest 
theology books that you can possibly imagine. Hmm. Like, give me some names. Uh, my favorite is Richard Horsley hmm. uh, from he's Boston. Uh, he's not from Boston, but it's where he, he worked. Yeah. Anyway, um, and I, I could reread Bandits, Prophets, and Messiahs like a hundred times and never get bored with it. Wow. Um, but I, I read. It's weird because you think, well, that's what you do for work. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. You don't have time to do that when you work for a church. Yeah. And so if I get to pleasure read, I read the nerdiest stuff you can imagine. I do also read how-to stuff yeah. um, when I can't find it on YouTube, you know. I get but. I get that, though. I, there's sometimes, you know, there's books, there's theology books that I just didn't have time to get to in seminary, and I was been like, man, I really want to get to that. And and you're right, like, it doesn't really fit in with the pastor's schedule. It's a tough one. Um to sit down and read, for instance, uh, I've been reading large sections of Karl Barth's uh, commentary on the uh, the letter to the Romans. Like, that's never going to come up in my sermons, even if I was preaching on Romans. It might shape it a little bit, but... Um, Don't say never. Yeah. It could happen. Knows. Anyway, but it, you know, that. I, so I get that. Yeah. So that's what I do for pleasure. Let's see. This is my last question, and I'll, I'll, I'm hoping you've thought of a few. Favorite Bible, biblical character and why? Favorite biblical character and why? So I didn't think about this. I, I'll, my name is Peter, and uh, so I think, I don't know if he's my favorite, but uh, I always have to pay attention to what the Apostle Peter is doing because I'm always asking myself, am I like him? <laughs> Is this story why my parents named me Peter, or is it another story? <laughs> is it because he's not he doesn't do the right thing all the time? Um, so, you know, I think, yeah, he he's uh, he's dynamic enough that maybe I would say he's a, he's one of my favorites. Now you missed the the Sunday school answer, which oh, Jesus. Well, I was going to say God, but oh. but I will too. Yeah. Okay. Um, not because I'm compassionate, but because I didn't go there. Okay. My favorite biblical character is Jeremiah. Okay, tell me about Jeremiah. Because there are so many times when, and this radio show is no longer connected to my church, but I am, so I'm going to have to preface this by saying I love you guys. But there are so many times when I just feel like I can't do this anymore. And then... You know, you get frustrated. This happens with all people in, in whatever roles they play. Mm-hmm. But then I am immediately hit with this notion that I can't not do this anymore. Mm. And it's this weird um, this weird state of being mm-hmm. to think I can't, but know that I can't not. Mm. And it's it's... It's nothing against churches. It's, it's really if it's against anything, and I don't think it is. I think it's natural, but if it's if it's against anything, it's against calling. Mm. Um, but it's it's strange. But when you read Jeremiah twenty nine, I ain't got that far yet. Um, when he's cursing the day of his birth, I was glad. I'm glad I was born. That's um, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad you were born too. I will. I will accept the fact that I'm a human being put on this earth. But Jesus accepted that yeah, too. I embrace that. Anyway, when I read about that that tirade that he goes on against God, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I've been there. Mm-hmm. And here's someone that's willing to 
put voice to it, mm. where many today and many then didn't. And I find it very freeing. And so he helps me through those moments. And yeah. that's why he's become my favorite biblical character. He didn't used to be, but yeah. he is now. You think of any questions? That's re- yes, I did. Good, good. But I just good. want to comment on that. That's really important. And, and uh, you know, I, I spent... Uh, years away from the church and didn't understand the Bible, didn't want to understand the Bible, didn't trust the Bible, and uh, you know, coming back and somehow becoming a pastor. Uh, one of the things that, that really um, strikes me about the Bible that really has drawn me back to a, a trust and a love of it is the fact that there's so uh, much emotion expressed and so many so much such variety of emotion expressed in the bible in characters like jeremiah and in the psalms and uh it gave me permission to feel what i was feeling whether that's anger or sadness grief uh jealousy despair joy joy yeah. uh love um awe wonder there there's there's somewhere where you can encounter each of those emotions in scriptures, and it was very validating for me to see that reflected there. A lot of people just think of the Bible as the story of God, mm-hmm. and it's easy to forget, and you take out half the story mm-hmm. if you forget that this it's the story of God and humanity, mm-hmm. and it has raw humanity throughout it. Yeah, and That's one of the most beautiful things about it. It's why it's so alive. Yeah. So I thought of a question, because um, I, I don't, I actually uh, realize I don't know very much about you, Court. So um, what would you say, okay, here we go. Um, what was the name of the street that you grew up on? And, and between the ages of like 5 to 12 or something, are there any memories that stand out of like stuff that you did on that, on that street? So we, we, moved, we were on three different streets in yeah. that age range. Yeah. When I was five, we lived on Cheryl's Street, which is in Mooresville, North Carolina. And it's uh, it's this... I have a story, mm-hmm. by the way. It, Center Street runs straight through town and dead ends at Cheryl Street, but our driveway was right there, too. Mm. And one of the things that happened is one night... We had horses. Uh, one night, hmm. someone robbed a Belk's department store. Okay. Which at the time when I heard my mom say that, I thought she said they stole a bunch of belts. But mm. uh, anyway, I didn't know what belts was. Anyway, so they robbed a belt department store and they go flying down Center Street. They they don't see that there's a road here and a driveway. They think the road just keeps going. Wow. So they plow through our yard and end up crashing. Yeah. And anyway, it was just this whole big crazy day, which when you're a five-year-old, is just like the greatest thing ever. Yeah. I have a story to tell. You yeah. Know? And so, lived there, uh, grew up there for, let's see, we were there for just a couple years. And then we moved to this house on Academy Street, which we are now on Academy Street. Wait, 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 what happened to the horses? They were fine. They got out and then we caught them and put them back. Okay. Um, Anyway, sorry for the anticlimactic end to that tale. Did you know how to lasso? No, I did not. Oh, okay. I never learned that. I think a lasso is just a good way to get kicked when you hit a horse in the face with a rope. But, whatever. (laughs) Okay, I'm um, just imagining little cowboys. I was raised over. as a horse person. Uh-huh. Uh, my mom, all, all my family maintained that except me. I like horses. I yeah. just don't want one. 
If you're a horse person, we want to hear from you. Yeah, well, that's fine because a horse person will admit that horses are expensive and crazy, but mm. they love them anyway. It's, yeah. It's just like God yeah. <laughs> realizes <and> that humanity <laughs> is costly and crazy, but uh, loves us anyway. Wow, right. you went there. I did. I, I got to say. I'm trained. Props. Anyway, so we moved to Academy Street, not the one that we're on right now, but the one in Mooresville, North Carolina, and we lived there till we, we were 10, and then... After that, we moved to out to the country, and you talked about me writing a country song. Our neighbor across the street was Dale Earnhardt, and we uh, wow, we, junior or senior? Well, junior was here. Senior actually was was never around there, but but DEI, the corporation he started, yeah. was right across the street from us. Wow. Anyway, so we grew up there, and what we liked to do there was to just be in the woods mm-hmm. uh, all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would. That was before I had started hunting, but sometimes we go fishing, but mainly we just played in the woods. Mm-hmm. Sometimes with no game in our minds, just let's just be out there together. And I, that's the thing I remember from growing up the most, mm-hmm. just being with my brother and my cousins and experiencing the world, learning new things. When you're that age, nothing seems to be too big of a challenge, of, of a of an obstacle. Mm. In fact, we intentionally put obstacles in our midst just to see how we can come up with different ways to overcome them. And I wish we hadn't grown out of that, but we did. Mm. We all have to grow up sometime. Well, we've got plenty of obstacles still, just they look different. They are, they do look different. Just like yeah. our Egypts look different. Yeah. Uh, I grew up on Northern Valley Drive in Rochester, Minnesota. And uh, it was a blue house. And um, I think... Uh, one of, one of the most uh, unique memories, I'd say, or that, that really identifies that place where I grew up, uh, is, uh, is the snow. And uh, my mom resisted uh, buying a snowblower for the longest time, so we shoveled with shovels. It's fun. And, uh, and so, so it was hard work. You know, my back would be sore the next day. Um, but uh, the advantage of shoveling with a shovel is that the mounds uh, that lined the, the driveway were much taller than if you just blew the snow out over the yard. Because mm-hmm, so, it dissipates more. Yeah. So, uh, so after a good snow, we would have a mound next to the mailbox that would be two or three feet higher than the mailbox. And um, on the boulevard there, uh, my sister and I would tunnel into it and and basically not construct an igloo but hollow out an igloo um and uh building snow forts was uh was such an awesome memory from my childhood there. something the southern guys don't get to experience yeah that, that quantity of snow i mean i moved to western north carolina after living in durham for three years and i was really hoping for a decent winter and uh, it was let down last year, but we'll see. I mean, you know, 2020's had a lot of surprises, so. That's true. Who Understatement knows? of the century. Yeah, so. Any other questions? Let's see. We got where where we grow up. Yeah. Um, hmm. I can't think of anything. But then I'm going to ask one, not to you, but yeah. to our potential viewers, not viewers, but to our potential listeners, which is. How would you answer the question, what is it? How do you want to see that question answered for Pastor Potluck? Yeah. What do you think should be included? What, I, don't, I don't want to ask you what should define us, because I don't think any one person should have that power. 
where should we go from here? And as you think of those things, just remember we have some staples that we're kind of married to, which is we want to focus on at least one biblical passage, maybe from the, or from the lectionary. Mm-hmm. Um, we do want to get more denominations involved. So if you're listening, my Episcopalian friends and um, Presbyterians, other Methodists, whatever, um, we want your voices as well. Yeah. If you uh, so, whatever denomination you are, or um, non-religious, or from uh, from a different religion entirely, uh, we'd love to uh, expand this. And and I think you know my goal with this podcast is to is to reveal the richness of living together, of uh, supporting one another because we are different. Um, and, and yeah, like Court said, we have a, we have a, a group of people that we, we can draw from to find some different perspectives with, from within the Christian tradition here in Canton, North Carolina. Um, but what, yeah, what can we talk about? We're, like like uh, we said at the beginning, we're, we're guided by the lectionary. And uh, if, you, if you're not familiar with that, uh, just give, a, give it a Google, uh, give it a Goog, as my friend says. Uh, revised Common Lectionary. The first hit should be from Vanderbilt University, and uh, that'll show you the scriptures that are appointed for each Sunday upcoming. And uh, maybe if you want to read ahead and you see something that you're like, you know, I've always wondered about this, or the pastors always avoid this uh, as a sermon topic, well, send it to us, and uh, we'll take a look. Maybe it's something we can discuss. We like the hard questions. Um, and and uh, and I think uh, you know it could lead to some good discussion. So anyway, we want to hear from you. Like Court said, this uh, this podcast is changing forms: radio show, Zoom interviews, uh, podcast, and uh, so we're just trying to you know create uh, an opportunity for as many people to to listen in, so we can take part in that sustaining work of of what's going on right now. One thing we need to talk about is how they are going to hear us. I know that they're not going to hear anything until we tell them, but uh, we've talked about social media and we are talking about word cloud, correct? SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Sorry, that's a different thing. One's the written version, one's not. Mm-hmm. Um, so SoundCloud, and we'll see how it goes from there and see what we want to do next. We are going to use SoundCloud to see how the initial response goes. Yeah, and we'll repost this in places where you are likely to find it whether that's Facebook uh, or whatever. If there's some other platform that you think would be better for us, you can always uh, let us know about that too. But uh, we're g- going to give this a shot, and uh, we hope that you like it. We hope that you'll, uh, you'll tune in regularly, and uh, we hope that you'll respond and, uh, and, and let us know uh, how we can, how we can uh, support you during this time. you have anything else, Peter? That's it for me. All right. Well, first show of the Pastor Potluck reboot is in the can. And I appreciate you, Peter. You have a, everyone who is listening, we hope, have a great day.